Hey guys, we're going to go into a time of Bible reading now. So if you can grab the Bible, grab your word. Um, we're going to be looking at Luke 12, 13 to 34. Luke 12, 13 to 34. So someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me judge or arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Then he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yield an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and I'll make bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I say, and I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body is more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. Yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than the birds? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the fields, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after such things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek His kingdom, and these things will be given to you. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourself that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will not fail where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Well, good day, everyone. It's James. Uh, it's great to be able to open up God's Word with you today during you know, a, a time where we're still in lockdown. And, and we really are in an uncertain time for the next couple of weeks and months of knowing how long it is before we're going to meet in person. So what I want to do is I want to encourage you that we're going to continue with our online services for the meantime. And as soon as we know anything different, we'll let you know um, because we're looking forward to getting back in person. But as Corey has already mentioned, today we're, we're starting a new sermon series. We're going to dive back into the Gospel of Luke, where we are going to journey with Jesus. In Luke chapter 9, verse 51, the context changes. There's a shift in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus sets his eyes towards Jerusalem. He's got his eyes ready and he's headed towards Jerusalem, where he's going to die on a cross. And on the third day, he'll be raised again. 
And so as we journey with Jesus, we're going to see what it means to be followers of Jesus. We're going to learn what it is to be authentic disciples. And so I hope you will be encouraged. I'm going to be encouraged. I'm looking forward to this series that we're going to track through the Gospel of Luke from chapter 12 through to chapter 17, probably over the next 12 to 13 weeks. So get ahead, read ahead, um, and I encourage you to, to get yourselves into the Gospel of Luke where we get to learn more about who Jesus is. But before we get into this passage, um, before we look at journeying to treasure, let me pray for us. Father God, as we come and we open up your word, may you speak to us. Help us not to be distracted. Father, soften our hearts to be convicted, to, to know where our treasure is and to invest where we should invest. Father, I ask that you help us today. May your spirit be powerfully at work amongst us and, and help me to have clarity as we come to a, a passage that just helps us to know what we are to seek. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, a couple of months ago, I was sitting at the kitchen table with my nephew, who's about 21, and he introduced me to this thing called cryptocurrency. Now, I'd sort of heard about it. I'd seen it on my Facebook page. I'd seen it on Twitter. I didn't fully understand what cryptocurrency is, but it's some sort of currency that's not real, but it's like in computer servers, it's up in the air somewhere. And he was getting me excited about it because cryptocurrency, you can make money out of. You can invest in it. But cryptocurrency is also very volatile. It goes up and down. It's a bit like the stock market. It's a place where you can invest in cryptocurrency with the hopes of making money. But my, my nephew said to me, he said, but you, you can try this platform without using your real cash. So I downloaded this app where I could invest $15,000. It was fake $15,000 and just see whether I'd be any good at cryptocurrency. So I got this $15,000, this you know, a free trial just to see whether I'd like it. Had a crack at it the first day. I invested in this currency and it, it just went through the roof. Like I made seven grand in a couple of hours. But being cryptocurrency, it's very volatile and it drops the next day. And, and, and being a volatile thing, I was a bit nervous about should I invest my money or should I not? I haven't done it yet. I don't know whether I will, but from a young age, we're taught to invest. We're taught to use our money wisely. We have Dolomite accounts when I was a child where you could save a dollar every week. We're, we're taught to spend wisely. We all invest in different things. Now, it is good for us and it's godly for us to be wise with our money. It's godly for us to work diligently and to work hard. But I want to ask you the question, what are you investing in? What are you pursuing in life? Or even, what are you dreaming about? I've had nights where I've sat in bed and I've dreamt that a long-lost uncle somewhere or a great-uncle somewhere that I've got no idea about, you know, he dies and he's, he's a millionaire and he's got an estate. And I dream and I think, and he, then he remembers his you know, long-lost nephew, James, and he gives me all his inheritance. I dream that. I, do you ever have dreams like that where you would you know, come into heaps and heaps of money? But I also want to ask the question is, what does your bank statement reveal about where you're investing? Where are you investing? Where are you pursuing? What are you seeking? But also we're in a, we're in a, we're in a, a time where we're on high levels of worry, high levels of anxiety. We're unsure of what's going to happen next. 
You know, as we're in lockdown, we can be anxious and worried about our jobs. We can be anxious and worried about the property market here in Sydney as it, it escalates and you think, well, I may never get in. Or maybe you're worried that one day the stock market will crash and all that money that you had ready for retirement has is, is disappeared. Two weeks ago, I was able to open up God's Word and, and we looked at Mary and Martha and Martha was anxious and troubled. In the context of today's passage that Corey read, we need to also be reminded that worry and anxiety thoughts were there. Go to, go to chapter 12, grab your Bibles. In chapter 12, verse 4, it says, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who will kill the body and after that can do no more. Go to verse 11 of chapter 12. When you are brought before the synagogues, rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you'll defend yourselves. There's a context of worry. And then we get into today's passage in verse 22 and Jesus says, don't worry. In the context of 11 and 12 of Luke, Jesus is talking to the crowds. He's talking to these disciples. He's talking about religion, what religion brings and how it's not what it's meant to be. He, he talks about persecution as followers of Jesus. But today, we're going to be looking at what it means to follow Jesus. But I'm going to ask the question is, the question of us today is where are you investing? What are you invested in? What are you seeking to invest? And there's three ways. We can invest the foolish investment. There's the foolish investment. There is the stressful investment. Or there's the secure investment. So number one, there's the foolish investment. Look at verse 13. Jesus has been teaching. He's been teaching about religion. He's been teaching about persecution. And we get to verse 13 and, and it's sort of like, it's sort of out of the blue. Have a look at verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. It's just like, hang on, was this bloke listening to Jesus? He's been talking about religion. He's been talking about being persecuted as followers of Jesus. And he asked a question about his inheritance. It's like, there's something else on his mind. He's distracted. Have you ever had those moments where you're talking to your, to your husband and it's a really pivotal moment and you ask him a question and he hasn't been listening? And then he comes out with something random. Well, here, this man asks a random question, but that random question, it actually tells us what's consuming and what he's seeking. And he asks Jesus, Teacher, tell, me my, bro tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now, this is a question that's asked in the first century. But it's actually a, it's actually a question we ask today. It's a very true reality today where every day people are disputing over an inheritance. Thousands and thousands of dollars are wasted over a dispute over family matters over an inheritance. Not only was it a problem in Jesus' day, but it's actually a problem today where, where people have family breakdowns, where families split purely because someone wants their share of the inheritance. See, an inheritance is... It's something we don't actually work for. An inheritance is actually something we gain that's an abundance. We, we already have what we have, but an inheritance is something else that we add to our thing. And this man comes to Jesus with a very big issue. For him, it's a big problem. I want my inheritance. But have a look at how Jesus replies. Look, look at this big problem for this man and how Jesus responds. Verse 14. Man who appointed me. Who appointed me a judge and arbiter between you? Jesus, this, this is the creator of the universe. And he says to the man, I'm not here for that. 
I'm here for bigger things. I'm not here for this. This, this is actually a little thing. Do you realize how small this is in comparison to what I've actually come for? So this man thinks it's a huge problem, and yet Jesus is going, this is, this is, I'm not here for that. And, and you expect Jesus is going to you know, help him out, but, but Jesus doesn't, and instead he responds to him. And he replies in verse 15, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. He, he doesn't just say like money, but it's all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. He's saying, watch out. It's, 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 it's don't be ignorant. Put things in place. This is a command. You've got to watch out. Take care with this that you don't covet. See, the, the word greed here, it's, it's actually coveting. Coveting is wanting more than you already have. This man already has plenty and he's saying, but he wants more. And, God, and Jesus is saying, watch out. Watch out. Take careful measures. And the key word in this passage that's going to come over and over again is that word life. This man thinks that this inheritance will give him life. But Jesus says, no, 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 life is not tied up in abundance of things. Right now in, in lockdown, there's this reality that we're chasing after and after the abundance of more things. Even though we've been confined to our houses for most of us, we sit in our houses and we think and we go, oh, I need more for life to be happy. Just in the, in the providence of God this week, as I was preparing for this talk and thinking about this, where I invest and what am I seeking, I'm reading through my credit card statements, just checking up to make sure where they're at. And, and I have this statement from the US, $608 spent at this shop. And I'm thinking, Ali, have you been buying designer clothes again? Well, I didn't actually ask that question because I noticed that she wasn't. But I noticed one, two, three, over a consecutive bunch of days, there's this $600, $700. We'd been hacked. We've been hacked over $2,000 out of our credit card account. It was a stark reminder. And as I talked to the bank to get the credit cards you know, reset or cancelled, I asked what's happened and they said, well, right now <laughs> there's an abundance of people online shopping and the hackers know that and they go to websites and they know that we are buying things in this moment. So right in this moment as we're in lockdown, we, we often think that if we just have a, another TV or another product, life will be so much better. And Jesus goes on though and he tells a parable. Look at verse 16. He tells them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. The, the crops are out there. He's got an abundant harvest from it. And he thought to himself, hmm, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. I've got many friends who are farmers and a couple of years ago during the, middle of a, during the middle of a drought they'd put the crops in, they weren't doing too well and I was walking around my friend's property and I said, oh what's that concrete slab there? You're, gonna, you're building another silo, a place where you store grain. And he said, yeah we were planning to build a silo this year but the way that the year's looking there's no point, there's no point planning ahead, there's no point spending the money on a silo this year. But the next year they built that silo because as the year went on, the crops were looking good. There was going to be a, an abundance of grain. And this, this man, he's farming. 
and he looks out and he goes, what am I going to do with this abundance, this extra amount of what I have? And it's interesting, the parable, it says abundance because he's just said to this man who wants the inheritance, be careful about abundance. This man, he's got more grain than he actually needs, right? It's, it's extra. It's on top of what he actually needs to survive. And Jesus is saying, take care. Is, is Jesus saying in this parable, it's not good for us to, to be wise with money, to have possessions or, or to, to build barns? No, Jesus is not saying we're not to do those things. What Jesus is saying is we don't need to covet things. We don't need extra it's okay to have those things, but don't go after them. Don't let your desires and your affections be moved by those things. Because see, inheritances, they bring so often disharmony and broken relationships. And there's a problem in this parable. There's a problem with this man. There's two problems. The man is self-absorbed. He's a self-absorbed man. Look at verse 18. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. This man is so self-absorbed. Did you notice the, the, the singular language? What shall I do? My crops, my barns, my things. He, he is so absorbed with his own little world about gaining more and more and more for himself. But he's also a man who's, the problem is he, he's, he's taking life into his hands, but he's also a man who is thankless. He's a man who is thankless. Why is he thankless? Well, have a look again there at verse 16. He's forgotten where everything has come from. He's forgotten who to acknowledge in the provision of this abundant crop. I want you to look at verse 16 and have a look at the subject of the verb. It doesn't say the man had a, an abundant crop. It says the land is the subject of the verb. It's not that this man's been so amazing at farming. But have a look at verse 16. The ground, it's the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He's forgotten where it's come from. He's forgotten that it's God who does it. It's not the result of his effort. And yet that's what we so often do. Romans 1 reminds us that we, we've turned the created order upside down where we worship the created rather than the creator. But what, what happens? What's, what's this man doing? So he's self-absorbed. He's thankless. But he's actually planning for the end of his life retirement in a way have a look take he, he wants to store all this abundance he wants to lay up these things for many years so that he can take life easy eat drink and be merry sit by the beach play golf not have to work again and that's the first century but what's the aussie dream in the 21st century we're doing exactly the same thing we want to eat drink and be merry so many Aussies are, are chasing after that, seeking life, hopefully to retire at 60 or even an earlier age if possible. But, we, but like this man in this parable, we, we seek life in the abundance of things. 
Last week, I was, I was traveling through a suburb of Sydney and I put up the traffic lights and, and it said Mull Repairs. It was a man's house. It looked like a bit of a servo. And as I pulled up at the traffic lights, guess what I saw? His whole front yard must have had over two, three hundred wrecked lawnmowers. Now, they were there for parts, but there was lawnmower handles, there was lawnmower bodies. And you think to yourself, what's a man got to do with that? But see, that, that, that man was hoarding those things. He's, he, he's thinking to himself, I need more lawnmowers because what if this happens? He believes that he needs more of an abundance of this item. Now, you might not be someone who collects lawnmowers, right? But there might be other things in life that you're seeking to have an abundance of. Maybe it's more investment properties. Maybe you're seeking an abundance of, of something else in life so that you feel like life is good. Or the opposite might be the, the case. <laughs> you might be going, oh, I'm so glad I'm not like that lawnmower guy. I'm so glad I'm not like that you know, financial investor who's got 10 investment houses up the coast. But you're the opposite. It may not be that you have an abundance of things, but you pride yourself in having less things, having a really clean house with really designer products on the wall that look really good. And, and it's in that. And if you could just have a bit more of that kind of style and class, life would be abundant. And, and, and what this man's parable has done, it's, as I've already mentioned, it's just like every other Aussie. We, we look forward to that day where we can sit and drink coffee, read the newspaper every day, play golf and go to the beach and just enjoy the sunshine and enjoy our grandkids. And what does God say to this man in the parable? He says, you fool. He says to this man, you're a fool. Picture this. This is a man who's probably had sleepless nights during his career. A man who stayed up at night wondering where the rest of his money is going to come. A man who spent many hours on the farm or, or a man who's put his job before his family and he's just about to sit down and enjoy the coffee on the beach reading the newspaper, to sit back and drink and eat and be merry, and he's ready to do that, and bam, his life is taken away from him. So this man is thankless. He's forgotten who God is, that, that he actually doesn't have control over his life, and that at any moment you and me could die. And God says to this man, you're a fool. Have, have, a, have a look there at the verse again. And God said to him, you're, you're a fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you prepared for yourself? You've prepared all that to have life and then it's stripped from you. Who's going to get it? That pesky grandson. <laughs> you know, or, or that niece. And then the family's going to dispute over it. This selfless Self-absorbed, thankless man was not rich towards God. God was left out of the picture. Now, I want to ask the question, what are you invested in? Are you invested in the foolish investment? Because as we invest in the foolish investment, have you ever noticed that it leads to something else as well? That if, if, we find life, if we're trying to find life in those things, guess what it does? It leads to a stressful life. It's the stressful investment. See, life is not found in your possessions or your bank account. We, we think that does that. So then as we think we need those things and as we don't have them, guess what it leads us to do? It leads us to stress and to worry. And so that's point number two, the stressful investment. It's a stressful investment because deep down we believe that we need those things. Jesus is going to tell us why are you stressing about all those things when you have everything you already have. 
See, the worrier, the stressful investment is concerned, it's petrified, it's, it, it doesn't have, it's petrified because it doesn't have what it needs. See, worry is a thief. It steals our time, it steals our emotions, it steals our energy. It steals your heart. We stress and worry about so many things. We, we stress and worry about whether we'll get married. We stress and worry about whether the kids that I've brought to Australia, that they've got to have the right education, they've got to get the right degrees, they've got to get the right marks so that they get the right job. We worry about retirement and whether we'll be healthy enough for it. We, we, we get stressed over things that we go, if only I could have those things. Or, or maybe right now, you know, you know, we can be worried about the COVID virus. We can be worried about things like that. We can fear a property crash in Sydney more than we fear God. We can fear not having enough money to retire rather than fearing God. Or maybe you're worried as a 70-year-old and you think to yourself, man, I'm concerned about where Australia is headed as a society, as a culture. You, you're worried about those things because you actually treasure what it's brought for so many years. You treasure the comfort and the reliability of having great assets and wealth and a good retirement. And it makes you feel comfortable. But, so you stress that if, if the country takes a different shift, you're stressed that if I lose those things, I won't have life. You can also stress about your daughter never getting married. But life is wasted by worry. Life is distracted by worry. And Jesus gives us a beautiful lesson in that. He actually gives us a reality check. He gives us a truth check. He's going to show us here is what's really going on. And what Jesus is going to do in verses 20, 22 to 29 is he's going to go from the lesser to the greater. Have a look. Have a look there at verse 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. But before I look at that actually, this, in the context of this passage, Jesus is talking to followers of Jesus. Do you notice that? He's, he's, he's not talking to those who don't know Jesus, but he's, he's speaking to you and me of the dangers of this. But maybe you're watching and you don't know Jesus. Well, what the beautiful thing about this passage is it's actually telling you where life can be found. Maybe you are trying to find life in so many other things except God. But here Jesus is saying there's only one place life is found and that is in Jesus himself. And so I encourage you today to, to check that out, to find out more. Because as disciples of Jesus, we actually don't have to worry. Because maybe you're watching and you're not a Christian and you're filled with stress and anxiety and worry about the property market right now. But, but here he's going to say to his disciples, you have no need to worry because what do you worry about your life? What you'll eat? So he's saying, you know, that, that's every day we worry about what we're going to eat. We can worry about our life and our health. You can worry about your body. You can worry about what you wear. Do you, do you get up every morning and you go to your cupboard and you think to yourself, man, if only I had some better clothes? We worry about things like that. But Jesus says, for life is more than food and the body more than clothes. And he says to us now, consider though, right? Consider the ravens. What Jesus wants you to do now is go grab a cup of coffee, go grab your cup of tea and go and sit in a park and sit in creation and watch creation to help you to remind you not to worry. Why? He says, consider the ravens. Now, ravens, they're not exactly in the first century your, your, your pinnacle expensive bird that you would have in your little cage at your house. They didn't like ravens. They're a bit like magpies and crows for us. 
We don't like them. They're disgusting. They're ugly. They're, they're annoying. And, and Jesus says, consider the ravens. Have a look at them. They don't sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. Right? And, and these, these despicable ravens, God cares for them. He feeds them. Right? So how much more valuable right, are you than the magpies and the crows? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Do you realize worry doesn't add to your life? I actually reckon it's the other, it detracts from life. And Jesus is saying, Well, you know, there's no point worrying, it's not going to add any time to your life. Or you might notice in your footnotes it says, How can it add a cubit to your height? You know, you can't go to sleep tonight and I think to myself and worry, James, am I going to grow past six foot five? Right? There's no point worrying about that. I couldn't control how tall I turned out, even my parents couldn't control that. Since you cannot do this very little thing, right? If, you, if I can't even, you know, worry to add to my life, it's such a little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider the wild flowers. Here's the lesson. They do not labor or spin. Or yet, I tell you, not even Solomon, all his spinner. Solomon, who was so wealthy, probably the richest king ever, dressed in all his majesty clothing and gold and his bling and his necklace, you know, and a bloke is surrounded by like heaps of wives you know in all of that it's like he's saying but look at the lilies they're even dressed even more splendid than king solomon if that is how god clothes the lilies how much is he going to clothe you how much more do not set your hearts on what you will eat or drink do not worry about things like that and imagine not having to worry about that but we do know that God cares for us, don't we? Because later on in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus goes to the cross and he dies for us so that we can have life. But also, I just want to, just want to do a quick side note. Here's what Jesus is not saying to us, right? He's not saying to us, sit back and don't work for your food. Because he's not saying that the ravens are to sit back and do nothing. It's not that Jesus is saying to you and me, okay, you can sit back in your homes and do nothing and God will provide everything for you. That's a, that's a wrong view of this passage. It's actually a wrong view of what we've been created for. We've been created to work, to enjoy work. It's good for us to work. Because imagine this, the ravens still go out and find food, don't they? The ravens still go out and they build nests. So Jesus is not telling us to sit back and do nothing, but actually Jesus is saying, don't worry about the basic things. Go about life normally, but don't worry about abundance of things. And Jesus says, don't worry. We're funny creatures, aren't we? We are funny. Like, we're not to worry about things, but yet... The most bizarre thing I found in COVID lockdown is we've worried about toilet paper. Like of, of all the items we're worried about, it, like really, I, I sit to myself and think, like if it's that bad, you can always just go and get the leaves out of the garden, right? And yet for some reason in, in, in our brokenness and in our sin, we flip the ideals of this world upside down and we think that life is found in the abundance of toilet paper. But Jesus says, don't worry about things like that. Look who I am. As followers of Jesus, I have given you something of far more eternal significance. I have given you the kingdom of God. Have a look at verse 32. 
Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. God has given you something that's eternal. He's not saying seek all these things so that you gain the kingdom. He's saying you seek these things because I've given you this. It's a greater to lesser argument. And if God the Father has given us the kingdom, why worry about food? There's no need to worry about the ins and outs of retirement. There's no need to to worry about whether your daughter will get married. There's no need to stress about whether you will finish your uni degree or get your PhD and have the most amazing job in the world. Kent Hughes is a pastor who says this. He says, We can enlarge our savings and build huge accounts to hold it all. We can plan our retirement so we'll have nothing to do but change positions in the sun. We can plan our menus for the twilight years so that nothing but the finest cuisines cross our lips. We can live as if this is all there is to life. We can laugh our way to the grave, only to discover at the end that we will have nothing and are in God's eyes fools. Or we can be rich towards God because we, because we gave and gave and gave and gave. What are you invested in? The foolish investment, the stressful investment? Or is it in the secure investment? Are you investing in eternity? Are you investing in, in something that won't perish, spoil or fade? See, to invest in a secure investment is actually to invest for eternity. It's to invest and to have a, a change of mindset of how we invest and where we put our things. Have a look at verse 30. If all those other things are folly, Jesus says, that the pagan world, look at verse 30, for the pagan world, it, it runs after. It runs after those things. Or, or another way you can put it is it, it seeks those things. It's literally saying the world seeks all those things I've mentioned because they're seeking life in it. And your father knows that you need them. So he knows you need food. He knows we need clothes. But the world seeks after designer clothing. They seek after having more dine-outs. The world seeks after a great retirement. And God knows you need good things like that. But there's a contrast in verse 31. He says, but seek his kingdom. See, what the world's seeking is foolish and it will rust. But seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. So the world seeks the foolish things. They seek it with their time, resources, money, emotional energy. But we are to seek, as followers of Jesus, we're to seek his kingdom with our time, energy, resources and emotions. See, real life is not tied to your wealth. Real life is tied to God. Because see, the things the world is chasing fade, spoil. But the kingdom Jesus has brought in doesn't. What does the accountants see when they do your tax return? What do they see you investing in? What are you telling your investment broker, your financial advisor? How are you giving them direction to invest your money? Have a look at verse 33. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. 
provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. Jesus is using strong language here. He's not saying to us, go and sell everything we have and give it away. Because if we did that, we would have nothing for next week to give away. But he's using really strong language to make a point. To seek the kingdom of God is to give things away. It's to have a, have, have not to be self-absorbed and covet things, but it's to be outward looking. Don't be absorbed, but give to the kingdom. Invest your time in things that have eternal value. Don't invest in something that will one day just, you know, you drop dead and go somewhere else. But verse 33, selling your possessions and those kind of things, it actually makes sense in light of verse 34. Have a look at verse 34. Up until this week, I've always viewed verse 34 as saying this, where your heart is, is where your treasure will be. So I've, I've always thought to myself, oh yeah, what Jesus is saying here is, is wherever your heart is, that's what you're going to treasure. So in a way, if we're treasuring the wrong things, we need to change our heart. We need to change how we're thinking. But that's actually not what Jesus is saying. Have a look at verse 34. Have a look at what he is saying. He's actually saying for where your treasure is, so also will be your heart. Do you see? He's saying what you invest in, your heart's going to follow in. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also follow. So if, if you're investing in your job in a way that you want to find life from your job, as you invest in that, your heart's going to follow it. It's going to feed that. But if you go, I'm going to seek the kingdom of God, if you invest in giving generously to compassion, your heart's going to follow in 2019, we went on a Pinot cruise for our wedding anniversary. My first ever cruise, it was spectacular, it was beautiful. You basically, you swim, you sit back, you eat heaps of food, you enjoy yourself, you dance. It was just a great couple of days where I was refreshed, it was good. And it was a wonderful thing for us to do, for me and Ali, to celebrate 10 years of marriage. Now, when I got back that next week, guess what I was doing? I was looking at more Pinot cruise deals. I was feeding and going, man, what else can I get? What else good deals can I get? I was thinking, when is the next Pinot cruise I can go on? And so as I was treasuring that, that cruise, guess what was happening? My heart was going there. And, and I'm going, oh, I want to have another cruise. I want to have another cruise. Now, you get to 2020, and I'm thinking, we could go on another cruise. But guess what happened in 2020? Like, all cruise liners are shut down. And because they're shut down, I haven't fed that. And my heart's actually not there now. And so what Jesus is saying to us is, seek my kingdom, invest in eternity. If you invest in those things, your heart's going to go there. See, why so many of us aren't investing in eternity, in things that are secure, is because we're waiting for our heart to be changed. What amount of your wage, what amount of your Centrelink pay, do you give to kingdom work? And whatever that tells you, it tells you where you're at. So we're to invest in the secure investment, to invest in eternity. And to do that, that's going to be a sacrifice. 
It is going to be a sacrifice where your friends at, at work are going to laugh at you. It could even be a sacrifice that your family will sort of mock you about. It will be a sacrifice to invest in things that last for eternity. To invest in making disciples of Jesus. To invest in giving to the local church. Those things will last for eternity. Now that is a sacrifice, but it's only a small sacrifice in comparison. It's only a small thing that we have done that, in comparison to what Christ has done on the cross. Of what he's done to purchase us for his kingdom. So you can invest in your retirement. You can, you can invest in, in wanting a three-day working week or sitting by the beach or you can invest in eternity of making and growing disciples of Jesus where your wallets will not grow old. That's a secure investment. And the kingdom has freed us to serve God. The kingdom has served us. We've been given the kingdom. Jesus has done this for us so that we are set free to serve him and to do it joyfully in may 2000 uh, john piper was speaking in front of a crowd of over 40,000 college students over 40,000 college students who were trying to work out what they're going to do with their life trying to work out where they were headed what kind of degrees they were going to do how they were going to invest their time and their energy in their life and he says this it's a famous sermon and he says this at the he says, three weeks ago, as he's speaking to over 40,000 college students, he says, three weeks ago we got word at our church that Ruby Ellison and Laura Edwards had both been killed in Cameroon. Ruby was over 80, single all her life. She poured it out for one great thing, to make Jesus Christ known among the unreached, the poor and the sick. Laura was a widow, a medical doctor pushing 80 years old and serving at Ruby's side in Cameroon. The brakes gave way and over a cliff they went and they were both gone and killed instantly. And I asked my people, he asked his church, was that a tragedy? Two lives driven by one great vision, spent in the unheralded service to the perishing poor for the glory of Jesus Christ. Two decades after, almost all of their American counterparts have retired to throw their lives away on trifles in Florida or New Mexico? No. That is not a tragedy. That is a glory. I'll tell you what is a tragedy. I'll read to you from Reader's Digest what I see as a tragedy. Here's a tragedy. Bob and Penny took early retirement from their jobs in the Northeast five years ago when he was 59 and she was 51. Now they live in Punta Gorda, Florida, where they cruise on their 30-foot trawler playing softball and collecting shells. That's a tragedy. And people today are spending billions of dollars to persuade you to embrace that tragic dream. And I get 40 minutes to plead with you, don't buy it. With all my heart, I plead with you, don't buy that dream. The American dream, or we could say the Aussie dream of a nice house, a nice car, a nice job, a nice family, a nice retirement. And collecting shells at, as the last chapter before you stand before the creator of the universe to give an account for what you did. And you come before the creator God, and you say, here it is, Lord, here's my shell collection. Look, Lord, here's my great golf swing. Look, here's my great boat. And John Piper says, don't waste your life and don't buy that dream. 
Invest in eternity. If you're 20, don't buy that dream. That, you know, it's, it's good to do a PhD, it's good to do uni, but don't buy the dream that that will give you life. Don't buy the dream that life is found in your kids' success or your family's success because they will only let you down. Or if you're 70, retired and you have bought that dream, it's not too late to invest in the secure investment, to build wallets that won't fade, to spend an investment in eternity. Following Jesus isn't a waste of life. It is life. It's a journey to treasure. Let's pray. Father, as followers of you, as followers of Jesus, Father, help us to invest in eternity. Help us to, to not covet, to not want an abundance of things. But Father, may we use our time and our energy to serve you. May we seek the kingdom of God. May we bring ourselves under the rule of Jesus and seek to have your life and your word established in our lives so that as we go out, we live lives that worship you, that are generous and rich towards you because you have been so rich to us in Jesus Christ. Amen.